Okay, good morning. I am excited to be out here in this chilly weather this morning. Um, if there is any sort of bad weather uh, predicted or anything along those lines, of course, we're going to make sure that all of our young people are safe and everything. So I'll make sure everybody's updated. Uh, if we do decide to uh, cancel Tuesday night, uh, Teens in the Word. Uh, but as of right now, I think we are going to be a, a go for that. Uh, again, I want to invite everybody to come tonight for our Sweet Sunday Social. Uh, please come and fill yourself with sugar and uh, get to hang around and, and get to talk with each other and be around each other more. Uh, because we are trying to uh, do that for our theme this year of Becoming One. Uh, we do have our t-shirt sheet in the back. Uh, after tonight, we are going to take that shirt up and go ahead and get those t-shirts ordered. And I will get with everybody uh, concerning the money for all of that and everything. So uh, just wanted to make that announcement. As you can see, we're going to be starting a, an interesting series. Uh, we're going to be having table talks. When are some of the most interesting conversations we have? Around the table. Well, that is the same for Jesus as well. And if you go through the Gospel of Luke, there's some eight to ten times we find him having a meal with people. And in those times he's having a meal with people, big lessons are being spoken about, and he's trying to do a lot of teaching. And so uh, we're going to be going through the Gospel of Luke over the next eight weeks and, and learning different lessons from times that Jesus was around a table with people. Uh, this morning is no different. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. That's our first time we find him having a, a specific meal with some people and, and there's a, a big lesson that we learn from that all about having a, a sick soul and what Jesus came to do. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5 verses 27 through 32, uh, my intentions this morning are to go through that passage. We're going to break that passage down and I'm going to be asking questions that arise from the text and help us uh, apply it to our lives this morning. So notice with me in the text, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and every and others reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. If I have not, if I have not come to call the righteous, or I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. First thing I want you to notice is that at the beginning of this, he says, After this. Well, what was so important after this? What did he talk about just before this? If you were to jump back up earlier in this context, he has this time where he heals the paralytic man, right? His friends bring him to Jesus. He's laid out on a, a cot, it seems, and they're bringing him to Jesus. Now, uh, what's also interesting is some of the people that are present at this healing is the Pharisees and scribes. And so what they found interesting about this particular miracle, if you were to notice in the text, is that Jesus first forgave the sins of the man. 
right? And so it really uh, made these Jewish leaders mad, and they said, well, who can forgive sins but God? Well, there's your answer, right? Because that's who Jesus is, and we find out throughout these gospel accounts, he is God. And so um, they did not make them happy at all, and that carries us into this mealtime, right? Right after this, he goes out, and he sees a tax collector, right? We've heard bad things about tax collectors. If you've grown up, any, been to any sort of Bible class when you were young, those tax collectors were some bad people, right? Sometimes you hear them as publicans. If you were to go into the Lexham Bible Dictionary, they have a, a cool description of what these tax collectors were all about, what this profession was all about. It says, tax collectors earned a profit by demanding a higher tax from the people. This system led to widespread greed and corruption. The tax collecting profession was saturated with unscrupulous people who overtaxed others to maximize their personal gain. Now what you'll see on the screen, since the Jews considered themselves victims of Roman oppression, Jewish tax collectors who overtaxed their countrymen were especially despised. Jews viewed such favor for Rome uh, as betrayal and equal to treason against God. Rabbinic sources consistently align Jewish tax collectors with robbers. So you can imagine not high on the list of some folks are these tax collectors. And we find that Jesus has gone out and he sees a tax collector named Levi. And what does he do with Levi? Does he avoid him? Does he go the other way? Does he say, oh, no, a tax collector? No, right? Uh, and we'll learn about what he does in just a second. But it's fascinating that Rome was also a very smart empire in the sense that they were going to make sure they found people who were of the people to make them tax collectors. And in so doing, uh, these Jewish tax collectors, one of these being Levi, uh, probably were able to make a lot of money off of these people. All right, so we have Levi. If you go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, you don't have to jump over there. We also see this man's name as Matthew, right? Uh, Matthew and Levi are used interchangeably throughout the gospel accounts to talk about the same apostle. And so... Uh, we see Jesus, he goes out, he sees this tax collector named Levi, and he's sitting at his tax booth. He's working. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, follow me, right? And what does Levi do? He leaves everything, he rose, and he followed, right? Jesus goes up to him, makes a request, follow me, right? Jesus has been going around, he's healing people. There's buzz around town about this man who's performing miracles, who's teaching in a specific way that has authority. He's not like these Jewish leaders. Uh, he's different, right? It seems that God is with him. And so Levi sees this. He hears what he says. He says, follow me. And he says, okay. He leaves everything. And he rose and he followed him. Uh, my question I want to start us out with as I was reading through this, this popped out at me while I was studying. How much are you willing to leave to follow Jesus? I want you to ask yourself that question. Well, where's your line, right? We may have that line we draw on the sand. How much are we willing to leave? If Jesus says, hey, I need you to leave that behind, would that cross the line? Maybe he says, I need you to leave where you're living right now so that you can follow me. Would that be the line? Right? Because you have to think, who would we leave behind? 
We leave behind family. We leave behind all these other people. Or maybe Jesus doesn't ask you to leave that behind, but maybe he says, hey, I need you to leave the job you're at. You can't really follow me working the job you have. Maybe that job is requiring way too much work on Sundays. Maybe that job is requiring you to work on Wednesday nights. Maybe that job is pulling you away from God. Jesus says, follow me. Are we willing to leave that? Are we willing to let that go in our lives, or do we say, that's too far? You see, Levi was willing to leave everything. That meant his profession. That maybe have meant some family. That maybe have meant some other things in his life, but he was willing to do it. Are we? Are we willing to leave those same things so that we can follow Jesus? That's the first question I asked of myself as I was studying through this. Next, if you continue on in this passage, notice, and Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and the others reclining at the table with them. So Levi has left his tax booth. He's left it. He's following Jesus, and first thing he does is says, hey, Jesus, come over to my house. I want to prepare you a great meal, this huge feast. Here's for our first table talk, right? And so he prepares this huge feast. Who does Levi invite? His tax-collecting bu- buddies, right? You have the tax collectors and the others. Later on, those others were probably the sinners that made up the rest of this bunch, and the Pharisees and scribes came as well. They just found their way into everything. But Levi went out and invited these tax collectors, his friends. We just read, how did people view tax collectors? They didn't sit high on their list. Rightly so. They were horrible people, right? A lot of them used that profession to make a lot of money. But Levi took this as an opportunity to invite their people, his friends, that were in his profession, over to his house. Why? Who was coming to his house? Jesus. And what does he know about Jesus so far? He probably knows that he's performing miracles. He probably knows that he's a man of God. And so he says, I'm going to invite my friends to meet him. I'm going to make sure to invite Jesus over so that he can meet them as well. I was reading through this, and again, I just every time I start studying and I start reading, I start asking questions of myself. And I had to ask myself this question. Do I, do you, ever invite Jesus to come meet your friends? Or is that our time away from Jesus? Think about your friend group, right? Have you ever brought Jesus to meet them? Have you ever brought Jesus into a conversation? Have you ever uh, made sure that he was present with you when you were there? Or is that when we take our Christian hat off and we say, I'm going to go hang out with my friends and be me? You see, Levi had left everything. He decided to become a follower of Jesus, and so what he did was say, hey, Jesus, why don't you come over and be with me and my friends? Do we ever do the same thing? Another question that just uh, spawned from this particular question was, do you ever invite your friends to come and meet Jesus? It's one thing to invite Jesus into where you are with your friends and amongst your people, I guess you could say, but do we ever invite your friends to come and meet Jesus? How do I do that? Jesus isn't alive today. Right? He's not on this earth. Have you ever asked them over to have a Bible study? Have you ever asked them to come to services? Have you ever asked them to be around other Christians with you? Right? 
have you ever invited your friends? Uh, John, the Gospel of John, is uh, very cool of how many people just go out and say, hey, I know Jesus, you want to come and see, right? It's a famous tagline that people have uh, made money off of, sadly, but um, you see that prevalently throughout the Gospel of John about people who are going out and saying, hey, come and see Jesus. Do we ever do that? Do we ever ask people to come to church with us? Do we ever ask people to uh, do a devotional with us? Do we ever ask people to pray with us? Do we ever ask any of these certain things? Do we want our friends to know about Jesus? Do we want our friends to know truth about Jesus? Another question that just kind of came to me while I was reading through this and trying to make application throughout this text. If you continue on, we're at the table, we're having this meal, there's tax collectors, there's others there. We also learn the Pharisees and their scribes have made it in to this particular meal. Notice what it says there. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Well, that seems like a wild question to come from some religious elites, right? Why would you have these sinners over to your house, right? First off, it's these tax collectors who are treasonous against God. Uh, they don't even love God anymore. They love money more. And now you have these other sinners with them? Why in the world would you have them there? And so they grumbled against uh, Jesus, and they grumbled against this dinner party, right? We ever find ourselves in the scribes and Pharisees' shoes? If you ever, <laughs> when I think of this, I, the idea of grumbling, this is the first thought that comes to my mind. We punish a child, right, and we're walking away, and what is that child doing? Saying, thank you, mom and dad, for punishing me. I love you so much. No, they're grumbling, Right? They're saying some stuff under your breath because usually when you get five steps away, you hear, and you turn around and say, What'd you say? I didn't say anything. I, you're good to go. Right? That's what these scribes and Pharisees were doing. They saw the people that were present at this meal and they were thinking to themselves, Why in the world would he invite them? Oh my, this is, uh, this is not what we should be at. These are horrible. And so Jesus was like, What are you saying? Right? Do we ever find ourselves as this young child? All right, the question comes about how loud is our grumbling? Do we ever get upset with the people that get invited to church with other people? Do we ever get upset about the people that come into the congregation? Maybe they don't smell like us. Maybe they don't look like us. Maybe they're different than us. Do our grumblings ever get loud enough for those people to hear or just for God to hear? Right? Because can't God hear any grumbling? doesn't matter if it's in your heart or if it's out loud. God can hear everything. You see, that was what was so amazing about this one particular meal is there were sinners present, and Jesus was there. And we're going to learn why he was there at the very end of this passage. Next, he says, as we keep going on, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, if you notice, I've color-coded these particular uh, pronouns, these particular uh, nouns about these people. Notice I have in the red square the Pharisees and their scribes, and I also have in the red square those who are righteous and those who are well. You see, Jesus is kind of using sarcasm here, right? 
He's letting them know, you guys are the Jewish leaders. You guys are the elite. You guys are, are amazing. Y'all are well, right? Oh, I didn't come to call you. You have no need of a physician. I've come to help the sick. I've come to call the sinners to repentance. And that's what Jesus came to do, and that's what we learn. That's that big message from this particular meal, is that Jesus didn't come to worry about those who thought they didn't need him. He came for those who did need him, and those who wanted him, and those who desire him, right? He came to call sinners to repentance and to leave the quote-unquote righteous alone. If you notice in Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 47, we have this account where two miracles take place, right? You have Jairus' daughter who's in need of, a, a, of some help, of a healing, but then you also have this woman, right? You have this woman that was willing to do anything to get to Jesus. She was willing to push through a crowd while she was having uh, this uh, physical illness going on she was bleeding uncontrollably she had gone to every physician possible she hadn't gone to jesus yet and so she made it a priority of hers to push through the crowds that were following him and she got there and she said all i have to do is just touch that garment and she does power leaves him he's questioning whose power uh who took this power from me and who touched me and she uh scared says it was me and he lets her know that your faith has caused you to be made well. You see, Jesus can heal. Jesus is that great physician. We just have to go to him, right? Whether that's around a table, whether that's bringing him to meet our friends, whether that's going to him in his word, in prayer. You see, he's the one that can heal. I asked myself as I was going through this, is Jesus my primary caregiver? Well, what do you mean by that? Let's say I have something going on in my life, something that's stressing me out. What do I go to first? I said what, because sometimes we usually go to those materialism things to help cure us. Some people use substances like alcohol or drugs to help them get through uh, certain trials in their life. Uh, some people use other things. Maybe it's to go shopping. Maybe it's to uh, do other sorts of things. Maybe it's to binge watch the next Netflix series, right? And we do all of this thinking we'll heal ourselves. Do we ever really heal ourselves? No, because once that one Netflix series is done, what do we do? We find the next one, right? Once that one bottle of alcohol is done, what do we do? We find the next one, right? And we're never actually made well. Have you ever tried going to Jesus? Have you ever looked to him as your primary caregiver? Or do you just normally treat him as your last resort? Well, that didn't work. Maybe I'll just go to Jesus now. You see, my hope and my prayer this morning is that you understand that Jesus is someone who wants to make the sick well. And there's a lot of us in here that are struggling. There's a lot of us that have some issues in our life. And there may be someone here that doesn't have anything going on in their life. And they're living a hunky-dory life. And that's amazing. And I'm so thankful for that. But I still want you to remember, whenever you do find your time, find times in your life where you do find yourself sick, spiritually, you find yourself struggling, make Jesus that person you go to first. You go to him in his word. You go to him in his prayers and your prayers and you also go to him by reaching out to his people reaching out to his church and asking for help 
Jesus was someone who came for the sick, and he hasn't stopped doing that. He's still trying to seek out the sick. He's still trying to find those who are in need of him. And so this morning, I want to make sure I offer the invitation for those who are in this congregation that may feel like they are in need of Jesus. Uh, They are in need of, of being healed from something going on in their life. Maybe you're a Christian who has had some tough times and you would like to be prayed for this morning. Uh, We would love to do that, and we want to make that opportunity available. Or maybe you're here and you are ready to give your life to Christ. You're ready to finally take that that step in, in your faith, to have your sins washed away so that you can have that right relationship with God. Uh, We would love for that morning to be this morning. If you have a need, I just ask that you please come while we stand and sing the song of invitation.